You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome into the Inside Carolina podcast. This is a massive, special emergency podcast. 2022 five-star defensive tackle Travis Shaw is a Tar Heel committed to UNC on Saturday night around 6 p.m. at Grimsley High School, the number four-ranked player in the nation, the number two-ranked defensive lineman, the best player in the state of North Carolina, is now a member of UNC's 2022 class. I'm Ross Martin. This is the Inside Carolina Podcast, a special edition of the Scoop Podcast. I'm joined by Don Callahan. Don, off the bat, let's get some takes. Travis Shaw, the biggest recruit in this class for UNC, um, has picked the Tar Heels. Yeah, I mean, this is this is huge on so many different levels. From you know, Obviously, you're adding one of the best defensive linemen in the nation to UNC's commitment list and eventually their roster. But also, you're beating Clemson, which has been a nemesis of North Carolina's in, in the state of North Carolina and overall when it comes to recruiting. You know, if you want to say North Carolina beat Tony Grimes, North Carolina beat Clemson for Tony Grimes, I'm not going to argue with you. I think that was Clemson kind of dropped the ball early on and wasn't a factor later on. This one, Clemson was definitely a factor to the very end. Clemson and Georgia. And the fact that North Carolina beat those two programs for this five-star guy is is absolutely huge. Also, slightly Marvin Austin kind of um, edges Shaw as UNC's best all-time commitment. Obviously, that could change between now and, and signing day based off a lot of different things. Um, so this is one of North Carolina's top recruits ever, even not including the, um, the internet era. Yeah, we're going to get into it all here on the special edition of the Scoop podcast. I mean, that's the big thing. UNC went head-to-head with Clemson, which is a national power and, and one of the best football programs in the country when it comes to recruiting and Georgia and and any other program that tried to get in there for Shaw and they landed Travis Shaw, the six foot five listed at three ten, maybe bigger than that. Yeah. He's bigger Um, than that. And they they snag Shaw from down the road at Grimsley high school and in Greensboro, North Carolina. I think it's important that they landed the in-state guy, the best player in the state. Uh, That's always huge for appearances. That's what Mac Brown's tried to do since he got back. So they're continuing to lock down these borders. They've missed out on some of the top recruits and like the number one, number two recruits in past seasons. Right now, as we said right now, they have the top recruit in Travis Shaw. So that's big for appearances. And again, uh, beating Shaw or beating Clemson and beating Georgia head to head. Let's go through some things. Additionally, I mean, what does it mean from a broader standpoint for UNC recruiting? If you look at what North Carolina has done, on the, along the defensive line ever since Mac Brown became head coach again, it's been super impressive. I mean, you, you've seen some of the, um, some of, some of that kind of take fruition on the, on the actual roster. We'll see a lot of those guys this football season, but this kind of continues that mm-hmm. uh, with, with giving, getting Shaw. And actually, even though all those guys, Javari Ritzy, Keyshawn Silver, I mean, th- those are really, really good players. Shaw's better than all those guys as a, as a prospect. And that's just the, the, the upside he has. I mean, he, he definitely has first-round potential. Um, first NFL draft first-round potential. So, so to get a guy like him and to kind of continue that, 
that string of elite is, 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 I feel like is an understatement defensive lineman and adding those to the roster is, you know, is, is impressive. Yeah. UNC is stacking defensive linemen. You look back, um, to what they did with kind of Miles Murphy, Kedrick Bingley Jones, uh, mm-hmm. Clyde Pender, that class, and then top that with Keyshawn Silver and Javari Ritzy, who I think will have an impact as true freshmen this season and sur- certainly kind of lay the groundwork for very talented um, defensive linemen for many years to come. I mean, I think Ritzy and Keyshawn have a chance to be superstars. Ritzy yeah. might have a, more of an impact as yeah. a freshman than we expect. And then you land, um, you know, th- the biggest one yet – a massive player in Travis Shaw. It's huge, and that's what you want to do, stack really talented four- and five-star players at that position. And it's it's one of the most important positions yeah. um, for football when it comes to I mean, offensive line, defensive line, quarterback, I would say are probably the top three positions where you want your most talent. Um, and so UNC is kind of beginning to be set there for, for not just um, the, the coming years, but you know, three, four years into the future. Let's move along with his recruitment. We're going to get some more of Travis Shaw as a player and get Don's analysis here in a bit. But let's quickly go into his recruitment. You know, we've talked about this for so long. Don, what, did, what really happened for him to pick UNC um, today? So a lot of things happened in June, which is the case for a lot of recruits, the 2022 recruits. And so midway through June, he took a visit to Clemson, and then he started to kind of set up official visits, one to North Carolina, one to Georgia. In the middle of setting that up, he decided, you know what? I know what schools I like. I'm down to these three schools, North Carolina, Georgia, and Clemson. And so he was going to proceed as such with kind of like he kind of wanted to get it done during the summer, but wasn't sure he was going to be able to. Then comes – so he comes out of June having taken those visits. Then he goes into July and you have that last week of July where you could take visits. He started off with with Clemson's all in cookout. And then the last day before the dead period, Georgia and North Carolina had cookouts of their own. He chose North Carolina. He told me later on it was because of proximity. You know, you could take if that was the case. I'm, I'm sure the fact that maybe he was leaning that direction or maybe his family was leaning that direction might have factored into that a little bit, but that in hindsight seems to be that that was kind of the, the blow that gave North Carolina this commitment ultimately, because from what he said afterwards, he convened with his family members and they talked things over and then they just realized, Hey, North Carolina is a spot. And, and that led to him scheduling the, uh, the announcement ceremony on Saturday. Okay, so he had the official to Georgia, the official Carolina, the official to Georgia, a visit to Clemson. Yeah, and it was it was important to remember. So Clemson does not host official visits, so it was a weekend visit that was basically an official visit. Only he had to pay for everything. Yeah, it served as kind of that summer official, yeah. but it was an unofficial visit. So he, he visit Clemson one time this summer. Yes. Yes. Okay, and then he visited UNC for an official. I think he visited another time in June, right? He did. He came up okay. um, for a visit also. And then he visited again when things opened back up in July, mm-hmm. including a visit to Clemson. Yes. And then, and then the the last visit was a big that cookout for. And what's also important to point point out, and obviously we we had this this massive dead period that was um, fourteen months. Prior to that dead period, he visited both Clemson and Georgia, but he made countless trips to North Carolina just to hang out. And I think obviously those visits 
laid the groundwork for him to feel comfortable at North Carolina. And I think kind of helped later on. There were kind of the body blows early in a boxing match, whereas, you know, they set up that knockout punch, which was the uh, Carolina cookout. Yeah, and this goes back to you know how close Greensboro is to, to Chapel Hill. I make yeah. that drive all the time. It's a one-hour drive from downtown Greensboro to downtown Chapel Hill. It's easy. It's an easy day trip, and that familiarity and being able to visit campus multiple times obviously played a role in this recruitment. Probably a family situation where his mom and, and family and friends and coaches can make that trip a little bit easier than, say, a Georgia or a Clemson. Um, and then UNC's ability to get him on campus so many times certainly played a role. And that's why you want to keep kids in state and it's easier to recruit kids who are in state. And like Mac Brown says, you know, players are, are more likely to commit to in-state schools and be more comfortable if they commit to in-state schools. Um, it's just, it's, this is a massive recruitment. Something we've been tracking for so long and for UNC to land Travis Hart right now is huge. Okay. So what do you think changed or, or what happened and what went into the decision to, to kind of put UNC over the edge? We know how the visits went. We know kind of it was neck and neck with Clemson and Carolina. He made multiple visits to each this summer. And you have to realize how persuasive a visit to Clemson can be. So what happened on that last visit or over June and July that put um, UNC over the edge for five-star Travis Shaw? I just think it was his family felt comfortable. One of the, one of the you know, I interviewed him just before he announced the, the date for his ceremony. And the, he talked a bunch. We, we, probably, we talked for about 15 minutes. But mm. the quote that I was able to pull out that I felt was the most um, telling was he said he felt comfortable at all three schools, but his family only felt comfortable at one. Mm. And so obviously it's a lot easier for his family to go to the Carolina cookout. I heard that, that many family members, not just his, um, you know, his mom and, and uncle and, and, and siblings, but a lot of family members came with him. And I think that just played a role. You know, they felt comfortable there and they expressed that to, to him when they reconvened after all those visits to discuss what direction they wanted to go with his recruitment. Who led UNC's recruitment of Shaw? Lonnie Galloway and and Tim Cross kind of teamed up for this. Cross is probably the leader. Galloway is the the area recruiter. So so he area recruiters typically do different things, but he was definitely involved. But I mean, really, you had Jay Bateman was involved. Mac Brown was involved in this. I mean, this was like an all hands on deck sort of situation for obvious reasons. Of course, and a huge get for Cross and Galloway. Okay, so let's get into the type of player we talked a little bit about. You know how he impacts the depth chart of the defensive line, how UNC is stacking that elite four and five-star talent on the defensive front. UNC runs a three-four. They want the biggest bodies, the three biggest humans they can find. Jay Bateman has said to play those three down linemen. You have a nose tackle. You have more of an edge. I think it's called an edge. Edge player and then a tackle, right? Yeah, so you have a three down linemen. Yeah. One nose, of them is, is tackle nose. and edge. Yeah, and the, well, the two the two um, ends are four techniques. One is called, I think one's called a defensive end, the other one's called a defensive tackle. But defensive they both, end, yeah. I'm yeah, saying edge. They, I meant, yeah, they, they both are essentially the same position. Yeah, cut that, John. Just kidding. All right, so where do you think he's going to play first? And let's get into the type of player, what he brings, the intangibles, the physical traits, and what you've seen from him in tape review and watching him in person. Well, he's a, a disruptive nose tackle on North Carolina system. 
he's a guy that you just, I mean, he's a plug and play guy because he already has the, the size. I mean, obviously he's going to progress more. And once he gets um, better conditioned, um, kind of lose some of that baby fat sort of thing. Um, but I think he's so talented that even before his body completely transforms, he's going to play. So I expect him to play as a true freshman. And, and ultimately he's going to be that disruptive force up the middle. That's going to be very difficult for offenses. I mean, you're going to have to double team him at least um, if you're the offensive coordinator. And the thing about him is, is that he's a very large human being. We talked about he's 6'5", 3'10". That's where he's listed. And that's probably the last time he was, he was measured, which was probably two years ago. So we're probably talking about someone who's, I would say he's over 330, to be honest. And, but he has an extensive basketball background, which we've seen in the past that allows even big guys like him to have unbelievable feet. So he's super light on his feet despite his size. You combine that nimbleness with that size and that power, and it's just, it's just unreal. And, and the beauty of him is, is there are a lot of defensive line prospects that have that combination, that have the size, have the nimbleness, but they haven't performed to their their capabilities yet in the high school level, you throw on his film or you go to one of his games. I mean, you, you've seen it. You, they went to the state championship with having him on the defensive line. And he definitely plays like a superstar, which is, which is a huge, um, huge item that needs to be mentioned. Yeah. I mean, I've seen him play a couple of times. I've seen him in person, massive, butt. we're talking massive button thighs, super big, lower section. And he's long. I mean, he's six, five, six, six, He's a massive human being, as you said. He played a lot on the edge this season for, for mm-hmm. Grimsley, state champion Grimsley Whirlies, because I think they wanted him to kind of be able to get um, to the quarterback more and have more um, disruptive ability on the edge. But you see him as a nose, which makes sense. He's going to slim down. Uh, he's going to trim some of that fat and put on a lot of muscle. I mean, can you imagine what um, – UNC strength conditioning coach Brian Hess can do with that body. I mean, it's going to be incredible when he's actually in a collegiate strength conditioning program. He's me so strong and so massive there. Um, and just a direct, like you said, they have to double team him because he's so long. He has that pass rushing ability in the middle and he has that length. He's not just a squatty, you know, fat yeah. nose tackle. He's an athletic long nose tackle yeah. who also has that size and power in the middle. It can really be disruptive um, right there in the, in the nose position all right don looking at our notes here is there anything else you want to touch on with travis shaw i think we touched on everything (laughs) that wraps it up all right guys we appreciate you listening to the inside carolina podcast the special edition of the scoop 2022 five-star defensive tackle travis shaw becomes a tar heel commit in the class of 2022 six five three ten plus number four player in the nation number two defensive tackle and as it stands right now shaw is of course the highest ranked player in unc's 2022 recruiting class they now have 13 commitments and will likely um, obviously move up in the rankings when all is said and done with this it's a massive commitment i mean i think it's the biggest commitment that i've seen covering unc um, it ranks up there with the likes of, of course, Travis, uh, sorry, Marvin Austin and Tony Grimes last year um, with, with just the ranking ability and the importance to, to UNC's football future. Anything else, Don? We good? We're good. All right, guys. Appreciate you listening.